We're opening up to Genesis chapter 1. If you would, uh, feel free to grab a, a, one of the Bibles there in the chairs. If you don't have your own personal Bible, we'd love for you to follow along with us. We're going to be in Genesis chapter uh, 1 and 2 today. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to open it up, and uh, you, can, you can follow along on that as well. You know, we live in a day where uh, more and more people don't have Bible knowledge. They have information about God, uh, but a lot of times it's misinformation. It's just information they've gathered along the way in different ways and different fashions. And a lot of times it's not accurate. And so if, uh, if you really want to know who God is and you really want to know uh, what His plan is for you, what He wants from you, then you have to go to God's Word. And so we've opened up here to Genesis chapter 1, literally page 1 in your Bibles. And uh, we are introduced here to God and all of His power and all of His glory. Let's look at verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you continue to read, you'll see here in just a few verses that God literally he creates an atmosphere that supports life. Uh, he, he speaks and land and sea and plant life uh, uh, are formed. Six consecutive days, God is busy creating, and the whole universe comes online in this very moment. And, and the enormity of it all is really mind-boggling. Now, now, we're very, very familiar with this passage. Some of us have heard it our whole lives. And, and even though God is up front and center here, and His, His enormous power is completely in full display, we're so familiar with this that we, well, it's easy for us not to, to see it as so extraordinary, right? So um, the scope of this, though, is huge. Uh, God's creating things, you know, from the earth to the farthest reaches of space. Look at verse 16. It says, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. <laughs> I think it's funny because that last, those last five words are almost like a footnote. He he made the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. Uh, just like they tacked them on, we better put these in here. And yet those five words are so huge, the vastness, the, the enormity of the power. I, I want you to watch just so that we can kind of begin to wrap our minds around just what those five words of creation include. Look at the screens. We're going to watch a short little video. It's about three minutes that just helps us begin to understand. I got to thank BuzzFeed for that video. They're not a Christian organization. I, I kind of took their piece of work, cut it down, and put a Bible verse at the end of it. So, yeah, verse 16 uh, it says, He also made the stars. <laughs> it's crazy. God is so big, and we are so small. And the stars, a hundred billion galaxies, each with a hundred billion stars in it. Uh, that's a lot of, a lot of stars. In fact, if you were to add all of those up, it's, it's a 10 with 21 zeros after. And I, I don't have the education to know what that number is. Now, I want you to imagine, this is the immense power of God. And, and He created on this scale. And like the verse in the video, at the end of the video, He measures it all with just the breadth of His hand. Uh, the thing is... For a lot of us, well, for me anyway, I will go weeks, sometimes even months, and I'll kind of forget to even think about the sun or the moon or the stars. Um, we can forget that we're just a big whirling ball in space 
traveling at about a thousand miles an hour as we spin. Uh, we can forget that all around us are hugely complex forms of life with plants and animals and people. We can forget that all of this, all of it, is operating on a very strict set of complicated laws. And who was it that made those laws? Yeah, our God. Uh, you know, not everybody shares that view, though. Not everybody. Pew Research recently did a study, and they found out that 33% of Americans are saying they don't believe in God. Well, that's what they say anyway. Uh, for many, all of this that we saw in this video is just one big, giant, giant cosmic accident. That's what it is. I recently talked to my little girl, uh, Lydia. She's nine years old, and I asked her, I said, Lydia, you think it's possible for Daddy's car to just form all by itself? And she kind of looked at me and smiled. She goes, Daddy, cars are made by men. And I said, but what if, what if we had, let's say, a hundred million years? In a hundred million years, could my car just form all by itself? She just gave me the funniest look, like I was crazy. It did. It sounded ridiculous to her, and she's nine. Take Mount Rushmore. Is it possible that that's just a result of, of wind and water erosion over millions of years? I know, we all know that's not the case, huh? yet many people think humanity is the result of just accidents that have happened over millions of years, and we're a whole lot more complicated than carved rocks in the side of a mountain. So I read an article recently, um, it, was a, it was a secular article, and scientists are baffled, they're baffled that, that, uh, at the way the laws of nature, uh, mathematics, and human consciousness Three separate systems work seamlessly together. The secular article pointed out that it's actually a convincing proof that there is a God. Uh, back to the stars. Psalm chapter 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim His hands. So as we begin to understand how big this universe really is, we can't help but question like the psalmist did in, uh, in Psalms chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Uh, good question, didn't it? Why would God, with all of his power, be interested in little itty-bitty old us? Why? Well, the Bible speaks... Of that, and it's right here in Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 27. Helps us understand a bit. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Even though God created a hundred billion galaxies, each with a hundred billion stars, we little old humans are very special to him. Reminds me of a story I read years ago in a book called uh, uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. Uh, it's, it, a senior angel and a junior angel uh, were, were traveling around the universe, and the senior angel was showing the junior angel all the beauty and glory of God's creation. And uh, finally, after one second being in the far reaches of space, and then flint and another second, they were all the way, hundreds of thousands of light years away, they ended up near the the Milky Way galaxy. And as they dove in, uh, the senior angel says, and here is the visited planet. Uh, 
And the junior angel said, what? That little old scummy looking dirt ball, tennis ball of a planet is where our prince has visited? Oh, how could he do that with those gross people? And the senior angel said, yes, that's the planet. And be careful, I don't think he would like it, you talking about them that way. Isn't that great? I love that story. And we see here that we are made in the image of God. And even though God created all of this huge vastness, we are the pinnacle of his creation. Because only we are created or made in his image. What does that mean? You ever wonder, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, I like the way uh, Preston Sprinkle uh, defines it in his book, Karis. He, wrote, he writes this, We have an exalted status above everything else in creation. We bear God's image not just by what we do, think, feel, imagine, relate, but simply by who we are. And to be made in God's image also means that we are a reflection of Him everywhere we go. Uh, sometimes not good ones, but we are a reflection of God in this world Look back at Genesis 1.28, continues, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Subdue it. Rule over it. What's happening here? To a degree, God is entrusting us to co-rule with Him. To a degree. So, in Genesis chapter 1, what are we seeing? We are seeing that this incredible and powerful God. But then we move on to Genesis 2, and we see a different side of God. We see this intimate, personal God. Maybe you've never noticed this before, but as you go into chapter 2, verse 4, we see that God wants to have a personal relationship with us. Now, you might be reading the verse already, and you're thinking to yourself, this verse doesn't say God wants to have a personal relationship with us. And you're right, it doesn't come out and say it, but in chapter 1, we need to realize that every time God is referenced, it's the word, Hebrew word, Elohim. You might have heard that word before. It's, it's 35 times up through chapter 2, verse 3, Elohim. It's a generic word for God that highlights his, that emphasizes his, his power. And God said, and it was, and it was good. God said, and it was, and it was good. Over and over, it's Elohim. But once you get to chapter 2, verse 4, there's another word that is referenced every time we see God's uh, reference. It's no longer just Elohim, but Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. It, it, in our Bibles, it's cap, all caps, L-O-R-D. That's the reference to the name of God, Yahweh. It's his personal name. Uh, uh, this was holy. That the Israelites wouldn't even say his name for, for fear of speaking it in vain. I think that tradition has carried on in our Bibles. They won't write it. Instead, they just put the word LORD in all caps. Jewish rabbis say that God's name is, is declared by the very breath of man. Have you ever heard that before? That when we speak, excuse me, when we breathe, we declare God's name. And, and let's see if we can hear it, okay? Listen. Do you hear it? Yahweh. Yahweh. 
Interesting, God shares his personal name every time we breathe the life of God in us. It's especially when you continue to read chapter 2 and God's intimacy and his personalness as he creates man. Um, It just shows so much closeness. When you first meet someone of importance, when you first meet them, you don't often use their first name. Uh, let's imagine this week that you and I hook up and we go up to Taco Bell. Taco Bell is one of my favorite little fast food restaurants. I always get the same thing. I won't bore you with what that is. But what I get that's new is the, uh, is the spiked lemonade. Anybody try it yet? This has nothing to do with the message today. It's just fun. <laughs> you guys are missing out. Spiked lemonade, it has an infusion of prickly pear cactus juice. And it is honking delicious. It is. Anyway, let's imagine you and I went to Taco Bell, okay, and we're sitting up there, and we're, we're enjoying our meal, and all of a sudden, one of our former presidents walks in. Yeah, right here in Pekin, and, and he walks in, and now you would not stand up and go, George, hey, yeah, you wouldn't do that. Or if it was our President Obama, you wouldn't say, Barack. No, we would, everybody would be amazed, and if we had the chance to even get near him, we would say Mr. President, or President Bush, or President Barack Obama. Or that we would never refer to him by, our, by his first name. Personal names show closeness. And starting in chapter 2, verse 4, we are, we are getting the personal name of God over and over as he creates man. Why? Because he wants us to know that he made us to share in relationship with us. Look at verse 7. We see another of these hints that God desires to have personal relationship. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So how does this show us that God wants personal or close relationships? Well, First, God takes dust and he forms man. He doesn't speak man in existence like he did the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish. No, he's more involved. He takes the dust, he forms it, makes a torso, he forms legs and arms. And the creator of the universe, as we've said, clothed with immense power, becomes a potter. And he forms and shapes his own personal work of art. He made man in his own image. And when he's done, he literally breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, that's closeness. If you don't think that's closeness, just reach over and breathe into the person's nose right next to you. Go ahead. (laughs) Nobody's doing. I didn't think you would. That's just weird, isn't it? That's what God did. It it shows closeness. The all-powerful God made us to have relationship with each other. He made you to have relationship with you. He loves you. Now, if you're still not sold on this idea that God wants a personal relationship, we have another slide ahead of that one. Thank you. Um, Let's look at verse 19. Now, the Lord God, again, it's Yahweh Elohim. He had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now, this, there's personalness all over this. I, up to this point, God is the one who's named everything. 
You go back in the first chapter, verse 3, he separated the light from the darkness, and he says the light shall be called day. The darkness he called night. In verse 10 of chapter 1, he says God called the dry ground land, and a little bit later you see he called the waters seas. So God's doing the naming, right? See, naming something means you have a relationship with it. Uh, It also shows that you have authority over it. My wife and I named our daughters, uh, you know, we have relationship with them. We have authority over them, for a little while anyway. And in verse 19, it says, God let Adam do the naming. I picture God just kind of relaxing under a tree in the shade with his arms up here, you know. And, and it's just my imagination. And, and he's watching, he's smiling as Adam, is, is, he listens and he's watching and he, he, he delights in Adam as he names all of the animals. He's expressing, Adam is expressing this new God-given authority in naming the animals. And Adam is sharing what? In a perfect relationship with God, this perfect fellowship, um, God is sharing his rule with Adam. It's a beautiful picture. He's created us to have a working, personal relationship. We're getting a glimpse, y'all, into who God is and what God wants from us. Right here it is. Genesis 1, he's all-powerful creator God. Genesis 2, he desires to be up close and personal in our lives, having relationship in our lives. And this, all of this is so important for us to grasp, get, file away, because we see people who, who um, people, some people only see God as all-powerful. And when they see God as just that, then they miss out this personalness that he wants. They see him as distant, removed. Others see God as just their friend, helping them be happy, helping them through the struggles of life. And they miss out on this ruling, reigning king authority in their life, calling them to a certain way to live for their own benefit. And, and the reality is it's both. It's not one or the other. It's both. God is all-powerful creator, and he desires to have relationship, personal relationship with us. See, we're made in his image. He, he, he shares his, his personal name when he first formed us. He, he formed and then breathed life into the first man. He, he gives us authority over rule, part of his rule. And, and he, he's the Lord of all, but he desires this close relationship with all. Why? Because he loves you. The creator of it all loves us. It's extraordinary to think about it. There is a God, and we all know that. All 33% say no. But there is a God, and they know it too. Like the old phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. They're just, we know it. We know there's a, we're wired to know it. You go back all through history, and you'll see that even folks who didn't know about the, the God of the Bible, they still worshiped a God that they created. Why? Because we're wired to worship our Creator. We're created that way. We know there's a God. And, and, and what we struggle with is the idea that this God, this creator of it all, would want a relationship with us, with me. It's hard to imagine that the God who, who made a hundred billion stars, each with, excuse me, a hundred billion galaxies, each with a hundred billion stars, would want to know 
and be a part of my life. It's great having a second service because you can go way over. It really is. I, uh, I'm going to share this little tidbit, and it'll be worth the price of admission. No, I don't know that. I was at, we, my wife and I got to go to Colorado several years ago, and I just had a desire to see the mountains, the Rocky Mountains. I just feel like I'm closer to God for some reason. Was that, was that true with you, Terry, when you were out there? You just feel, you just are in awe of the creation of God. And so we went out there, and I so bad. We had our honeymoon in, 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 in Alaska, and I was so looking forward to seeing a moose. We were there for seven days, never saw one stinking moose anywhere. So we're in Colorado and up in the Rocky Mountains, and I'm excited. I want to see a moose. And so we get out there, and we're driving around all day long, nothing, no moose. There's, there's deer, elk, uh, but no moose. And I, as we were going through the park, I was videotaping, something said, pray out loud for a moose. <laughs> and I'm videotaping, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. I prayed inside, but I wouldn't pray and put it on the video because I didn't, I didn't want to be let down. I didn't want anybody to hear that video and say, did you get one? No. And so, so I'm praying for this moose inside. I wouldn't. We get to the end of the Rocky Mountain National Park. No moose. We see a huge herd of elk, and we're talking to the guy behind us. I said, man, that's something. And he goes, yeah. So I was really hoping to see a moose today. And he said, you ain't going to see a moose. I said, what? What do you mean? He says, you got to get here 5.30 in the morning if you're going to see a moose. There aren't going to be any moose this time of day. I went, oh, man. I'm glad I didn't pray that prayer on the video. We went, got in the car. We went a mile down the road. <laughs> and there's a moose. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm, getting, I'm getting teary-eyed just talking about this. There's a moose. And I'm like, oh, God, you gave me a moose. I wanted to see a moose before we ever left Ohio. God, I want to see it. There's a moose. And I'm looking at it, and I'm videotaping it. And God's saying, I see there's a moose. And I'm, I'm watching, and, 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 and something says, pray for him. to." It was, it was in the weeds. All he saw was this much. Pray for him to stand up. I wouldn't do it. I didn't. He gave me the moose. I wouldn't pray in a videotape. I wouldn't do it. And I'm waiting a little while. And moose stands up in all its majesty. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'll tell you why in a minute. And then a baby calf moose comes out. And there's a mama and its baby calf. That thing gets so close to the road that the, uh, what the guy's called? The ranger says, guys, you have to get in your cars. We just can't trust a, a mother with her calf this close. And so we all had to get in our cars. <laughs> Say, why are you getting so emotional about a dumb old story? Because I wanted to see a moose so bad, and I wouldn't pray because I thought, God, you don't care about me seeing a dumb old moose. And he did. <laughs> and he let me see not only a moose, but a baby at a time that they said, they're never going to be out this time. What it, God loves us. We were in staff meeting. Uh, we, we, we can go to 12, right? We were... <laughs> We were in staff meeting Monday during the eclipse, and, and, and we're praying, and uh, Benny says, it's really cloudy, and the rain came through. You remember? He says, can we pray that, the, uh, uh, that there would be a break in this? And I immediately thought of the moose, because God loves Benny so God loves Benny so much. That's nothing for him to give him that. And the storm came in the hours, and it rained and poured. And we're in, finally in the staff meeting, and, 
And Benny goes, it's three minutes. To... We rush outside, and we get outside, and we're looking up, and there's a big break, and the sun's shining through. I didn't say anything, but I thought, Benny, God loves you so much, he gave this to you. Never be afraid to pray for the small little things. God loves you, and there is a God, and he wants a personal relationship with you. Um, and we see it all through the pages of these first two chapters, all through the scriptures. I said earlier that 33% of people don't believe in God, at least that's what they say anyway, which means that they don't believe that he wants a relationship with them. That's sad. It, it means that they don't know that they're missing out on the meaning and purpose that they're here on planet Earth. And if you miss out on that, you start, you're going to start looking for your meaning and purpose and all kinds of other stuff, aren't you? You're going to go to the stuff that can't give you the meaning and the purpose of life. Without knowing God and knowing why He made us, we're just going to be wasting our time and with trivial little nothing. And, and, and we won't understand why we're here and why, we're, why God would put us here. And, and before long, our families are going to be out of focus and they're not, going to be, they're not going to be going the right direction and our governments are all going to be messed up and the culture we live in is going to be out of focus and broken. And what do we see all around us? That very thing. It's the effects of not knowing there is an all-powerful God and that He wants a relationship with us. This is big. This is really important. You take a child and you put him in a home and then you remove mom and dad and that child grows up and doesn't know his value and doesn't know that he's loved. It's just a matter of time. You're going to create something with lots of issues. Right? You take a child and you make sure that he's in a home with a mom and dad who loves him and cares for him and values him and they're with him. What's going to happen? That guy's going to grow up and he's going to flourish and he's going to, he's going to have an environment that can bring about health and balance in his life. See, today a lot of folks are looking to answers to the problems as we've talked about in the last few weeks. They're looking to Washington and they're looking to government leaders and they're looking to the big universities and all those smart fellows. And what are all those people telling us? Well, there's no God. And we wonder why we're in such a mess. And so more and more, we, we don't know that we're loved. We don't know that we're valued, that our Creator wants relationship with us. And more and more, we see brokenness and dysfunction and issues, and everybody's scratching their head saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? We're removing the very essence of love and life from us, and we wonder why we're dying. It's all only found in God, and He has manifested His message through Jesus Christ, His Son. There is not only a God who is all-powerful and majestic and reigns supreme, but He longs to have personal relationship with you and with me. And as we're going to see in the weeks ahead, you want to invite your friends to this, because we're going to be talking about this beautiful thing called grace, that He just lavishly shares with us. And we're going to see that in all of human history, our story is that we want to do it our way and we're going to turn away from this God and all through our turning away, generation after generation, century after millennia, we turn away from God and turn away from God and God never turns away from us. He's always pursuing us. He's always after us, trying to win our hearts back to Him. It's a beautiful story. It's called the Bible. He wants us to know life. He wants us to know truth. He wants us to know Him and His love for us. Who is God? He is all-powerful creator. 
What does he want from you? He wants a relationship. He wants you to know he loves you, and he wants to be involved in your life. It's why he sent Jesus to make possible this relationship that sin has broken and damaged. He came to defeat the power of sin and death and reestablish a right relationship with us and him. And when we're willing, when we're willing to turn from our sin and believe and trust in him, true life begins. When we're not willing, we can't know our value. We can't know the meaning and purpose of life. In fact, we remove ourselves from the very source of life. And the result? Well, sadly, we see it all around us. See, the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are you willing to have a personal relationship with God? I'm not talking about just coming to church. And we're not talking about, you know, saying that we're believers. We're not like that 33%. We're talking about working to have a deeper relationship with God, spending more and more time with Him, uh, going deeper day by day, going deeper with Him, disciplining ourselves for the purpose of righteousness, understanding His passions, and then making His passions our passions. And then all of a sudden we become a godly spouse and a godly parent and a a godly single person or a godly student, and, and we're loving God and we're loving people it sounds so familiar. I've heard that somewhere before. Loving God, I think I saw it on some sidewalks this week. Becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, loving God and loving people and showing that with our actions, with our attitudes. We're in that long line with two registers open in the midst of a busy time at Walmart. You're loving God and you're loving people. You're showing, you're reflecting His love to others. Showing and even sharing Christ with your life, with your word, with your deeds, being patient. And doing it all with his love and compassion. It means reading every day, getting into God's word. It means seeking him in prayer every single day. It means studying his word with a group of others youth with youth, adults with adults, Sunday school classes, small groups. It means, it means change. Change. It means freedom. Freedom from the bondage of sin in our lives. God is all-powerful, and He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. He wants... He wants to use you and me to bring new life into the relationships we have with our family and our friends, with our neighbors. Are you willing to have a deep relationship with Him? A deep relationship that's daily. Are you really willing to have that?